0: Hi, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy.
1: Good morning. No, 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 no. That wasn't a... It is a good morning. Yes, that's where we're at. Yeah, good, 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 good. I don't think I've been as excited to get up here and preach since the last time I got up here to preach. on call. And the last time I was up, the topic was called to create. Uh, or called to Create Part 1, as it's now known. If we could have this first slide up, that'd be great. Uh, so this is called to Create Part 2. And like I say, I was excited to get up here to, to speak on this message. It's something that has been stirring in me for a while. And then, at the start there, at the front, the third song that the worship team sang. Unbelievably, that was the song that I woke up with over and over in my head at five o'clock yesterday morning, and on the basis of that experience, I then started rewriting the things that I was going to speak about today, so if you ever feel that you've been set up, yeah, I think I've been set up, but you ever feel that God's with you, yes, I feel that God is with me, and if he's with me, he's with all of us here, because he's speaking to me, but I believe he's got something that He's wa- that's on God's heart that he wants to bring to you today, so I'm excited for that reason also, oh, I like, Does anyone remember part one at the end of last year? (laughs) Okay. Does anyone remember part one at the end of last year? Uh, Do you know what? Don't worry about answering that if you don't remember. Because, you know, if you did remember, it's great for my ego. But then it's bad for my pride. So if you didn't remember, if I'm speaking to people, a room full of people that don't remember me speaking on this subject a few months ago, that's great. I'll take it that the reason for that is because of the exponential church growth we've experienced and I'm looking at this with the eyes of faith. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick recap. Quick recap called the call to create. At the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we meet the creator, God. The very first thing that we learn, the very first thing that he chooses to show us is that he is creative. And that we are created in His image. A pastor called Jerry King says it this way. He says, The very first chapters of Genesis begin with these unfolding stories of God in action. Creating out of nothing. Bringing into being stage by stage, day by day, everything that is. If you have creativity in you, you have a place at the table of God's people. And of humanity. You are valid. Step up. Bring what you've got. Don't dare hold back. Don't cringe back. Not with, come forward, not with arrogant pride, but with sane humility. Bring your stuff. Other people need it. Ah, oh. see, we are all made in God's image. We're all creative. Don't believe for a second that you're not. We are all creative. It's why we enjoy music. It's why we enjoy art or films or sport. It's why we launch businesses, it's why we plant churches, it's why we fight for causes that we believe in. We desire to create, and we believe that things can be made better. The problem is, we don't always believe that there's any spiritual validation from God or from man for our creative passions. We have to be apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers, but our creativity Is not just a fringe interest it is central to who we are and God's plan and call on our lives yeah see last time I got a big whoop and an amen old school for that one (laughs) keep up guys God does have a plan and a call on your life not only do we have to step up and bring our stuff but sometimes we have to step out We looked at examples of artists and YouTubers and DJs and architects and entrepreneurs who stepped out with great freedom and joy into the creative call of God on their life. People who realized that their work was ministry and was an offering to God and was a blessing to others. People who discovered purpose and meaning and partnership with God in their lives. People who knew they were blessed to be a blessing. The English writer Dorothy Sayers says this, work is not primarily a thing that one does to live, but a thing one lives to do. It is or should be the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, bodily satisfaction and the medium in which he offers himself to God. Now, I would note that there's a difference Between our work and our job. If we're lucky, our job will align with our work. But it's especially helpful if we think of our work as our call. Who we are, who we are created to be. Glorifying God and blessing others. If we see work as our call in God, our purpose ordained by Him, then it's no longer profane, but sacred. We then see our lives differently. We are the redeemed. We are a people on a mission. And we each have a call, a general call you know, to make disciples and to live out our life of faith, but a specific call connected to the creative drive that God has placed in us and that we need to tap into. So, where are you called to create? Is it in the church? Is it in your family? Is it in education? Is it in government, media? arts or business because everything is creative. God draws us to create. We are called to create. Let's identify our call. Let's believe that we are uniquely positioned as God's people. Create a society that ends war, that alleviates poverty and suffering, that fights injustice and brings hope to others and honor to him. Let's step out Let's not keep it all in, in here, or in here. Let's step out. Now, if I could only preach one message for the rest of my life, then called to create would probably be it. It feels like my personal sweet spot. I enjoyed preparing it, I enjoyed the last time around delivering it. And I hope this isn't vanity, but I felt as if I'd been created to preach that message that the experiences of the preceding years and the things that I'd been through hadn't been in vain. Because following the call is not always easy. And it's not always understood. But I felt the joy of partnering with God in His work. And from the responses I got from other people the last time around, I believe it blessed and encouraged several people. Now, if this was success, if this was victory... And it felt good. So then, fast forward a few months. Something had happened. Something that caught me off guard. Something that stirred up a response in me that completely took me by surprise. Something that brought up feelings I didn't expect and were from a battle that I thought I'd won. I felt anxiety, I felt emptiness, and I felt a familiar fear. I got a phone call from Aaron. Now, he's not here today, so I can talk about him. But he asked me if I would speak again and do a further talk on Call to Create, a part two. I said yes, but in the next couple of days, I went into a spin. See, since doing that first talk, I would probably experienced the most difficult time in my business that I could remember. I was living out the call to create, but it was not going smoothly. (laughs) My own health was suffering, and there was something else. See, the last talk had gone well. How do I follow that? I mean, I'm not in the same place at the moment. I don't know if I have anything else to say. What if it's not as good? What if it's not any good? See, musicians call it second album syndrome. But what I was experiencing was, really, let's call it what it is, it was fear. Now, 20 years ago, I copied, I'm going to read out a scripture, I copied the following scripture onto the, notes at the front of my bible now remember these were the days of actual bibles not apps and these were actual bibles covered with notes in the margins and passages underlined and thread worn spines and battered covers and it used to be said by people who knew more than me that a bible which was falling apart usually belonged to a person who wasn't i wish that was always true (laughs) i was just really really careless with stuff Anyway, this is, this is the, the Scripture. Philippians 3, verse 12, if you're taking notes. Not that I have already attained it, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ also laid hold of me. These are, to me anyway, these were inspirational words, words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians. They were aspirational words too. Other translations use the phrase "straining forward" instead of "press on." Straining forward, I like that. I, I, I like the image that that had in my head. It was like straining at the leash. I'm like, Just let me at them, you know. I, I liked that. It was a, an active phrase that it, it kind of got me. You got to remember, I was 20 years younger than 20 bit stronger, a bit more energetic in those days. But anyway, I liked that. it, It was a verse that I liked, so I put it in the front of my Bible. I still like it. Paul writes a lot about running the race, winning the prize, effort and dedication and discipline, success. It's also about future glory. It's about purpose. It's about hope in Jesus. It's about victory, victory, success, glory. Much is made of success. Most of us are aware of social media. Most of us are also aware of the temptation to present an airbrushed, successful version of ourselves online. Dinner in a fancy restaurant, snap. A new car or job, snap. A foreign holiday, snap. All dressed up for a night out, snap beautiful, well-behaved, successful, gluten-free, organic, free-range, sleep-through-the-night children, (laughs) winning football trophies and dancing competitions, snap, 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 filter. But it's it's nothing new. I mean, we do it in our families. We used to do it in our families. Grandparents have pictures on the walls of various family members and hilarious hairstyles and bad glasses and teeth, wearing graduation gowns. Or we go to work, and we put on our mask, and we high five, and we fist pump our projected success image to each other. Everywhere it goes, it seems that there can be a pressure to be to live this sort of insta-ready life, successful, if we buy into it. It can be difficult, though, to deviate from the kind of su- success projection narrative which we reinforce to each other, even in church where we feel faith responses are sometimes expected over real responses to situations. Now, it can be difficult for us these days to admit that we're experiencing anything other than our best lives now. But Paul also writes a lot about endurance, about overcoming trials, about times when we're not hashtag winning. I've got a clip. Uh, you might have seen it. It was on the church Facebook page about a week ago. Uh, if we're ready to put that on, let's watch it now. Do you know, it's a great clip, and it's always better if somebody else can say the stuff for you, isn't it? <laughs> but if you're listening closely, you might have heard Jason use a word which we don't usually hear in church, apologies if it caused any offence, but I'm not talking about his anatomical reference. The word that we avoid saying or even admitting to ourselves is failing. And I worry, I do worry, that sometimes we ultimately conflate the projected success with righteousness that somehow if we're not hashtag winning, we're somehow unrighteous, and I fear. The fear that I recognized at the thought of standing up here, I suppose, was the fear of failing. We're not allowed to fail. We don't think we're allowed to fail. But what's wrong with hashtag failing? I like what Jason said, just because you're struggling doesn't mean that you're failing. Struggling's not failing. We all have struggles, but struggling's not failing. Struggling, to me, if you're struggling, you're still in there fighting. There's still hope. Often when we think we're failing, it's actually our perception that's failing. We think we're falling short, that we're missing the mark, that we're not achieving success. But what if our definition of success was wrong to begin with? So, here we go, Called to create, part two. It's failing. Failure, failing. You know, it sounds obvious, but second album syndrome doesn't happen when you're making your first album. Because at that stage, you have nothing to lose. No success, no status, no reputation, no thing to lose. But after nothing to lose, and then something to lose, There's a pause, and it's an opening for fear of failure to get in. I think God had grabbed my full attention again. I can sometimes be slow to hear over the noise of my own stuff sometimes. If previously I'd spoken about the call to create, to walk in His call, and walking in God's will is, to me, the definition of success for us mortals then now I had to explore and confront my response to its shadow, failure, or at least the fear of failure. See, the first thing that I discovered, when I started looking into this, the first thing that I discovered was I had failed at failing. I read that startup companies in America were encouraged to fail fast. Business gurus show clients now how to Fail forwards. All I'd ever tried to do when I was failing was to try and hold tight to whatever remaining shred of dignity I thought I had left. Instagram didn't really help me much with this either. Here's some of the things I picked up on Instagram. Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. Okay. Fall seven times, stand up eight. Uh Uh-huh. Don't fear failure, fear the absence of progress. These are all clever sounding phrases. Success is 99% failure. Churchill didn't help me much either. Oh, no, 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 no. I know that, Churchill. Winston. (laughs) He said... This is, he's a man of many quotes. This is one of the Churchill quotes because you always get a Churchill quote when you Google any subject. Here we go. Success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. Even my old standby, Rocky Balboa, got on my nerves. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and still keep moving forward. Aye, great, Rocky how do I do that? How do I actually do these things? I'm actually starting to wonder, though. Maybe you can't ever fail if you don't want to. Maybe you only fail when you accept failure, if you make an agreement with it. The moment you begin to fight back, I think you've not failed. The only problem is that sometimes we're so beaten up that we don't know how to fight back. So, in a moment, I'll share four ways we can do just that. Failure often is just perception, it's an illusion. But what if there is a real, tangible failure, something quantifiable? You know, a moment where you've clearly fallen short of an accepted level or of God's standard. See, interestingly, the definition of failing is very close to the classical definition of sin. Falling short, failing to hit the mark. But don't worry. God has that one covered. It's called grace. It's the work, the finished work of the cross no less than the substitutional sacrifice of Jesus in our place, carrying the weight of our failure and in return giving us his success, a perfectly lived life insta-ready. But that's why ultimately we cannot fail. However, it did get me thinking, what is the practically What is a Christian response to failure, real or perceived? And what do we do about it? So here we go. It's a brief tour. The four B's of successful failure. Number one, be hopeful. We will face trials. We will think we've failed. We will lose customers or friends or businesses or reputations or possessions or jobs but these will be redeemed. They will be used for God's glory and for our sanctification. That means these things will make us more like Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, the fact that Jesus Christ died is more important than the fact that I will die. And the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is the sole ground of my hope. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Romans 8:28. And we know that all things, can I hear, and all things, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. He's still in charge. He's still in control. Don't worry about a thing. There is hope. For those of us who are called to create, and I think I'm speaking to these people today, Failure and adversity are inevitable. All right? Don't worry about it. It's going to happen. So you don't have to worry about it. But we can embrace this because we have hope that God is working everything together for His glory and for our good. Okay, next one, quickly. Number two. Be transparent or transparent. When we come up against failure, the biggest temptation is to cover up, to fig leaf it, to try and spin the circumstances to look better in the eyes of others, to minimize the perceived failure. Don't. Be transparent. Own up. Trust in the sanctifying work of Jesus in your life. If we truly believe that he is working all things for our good, then be happy to tell others about it. Give God the glory because He's conforming you into the image of His Son. Romans 8, 29, the next verse, says this, For whom He foreknew, this is New King James, so there are a few whoms in it, but for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined These he also called. Those that he called, he also justified. Those that he justified, he then glorified. Don't get in the way. Be transparent. Don't get in the way of what God is doing with your life. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his handiwork. Don't get in the way of what God's wanting to do in your life. Own up to that. Third one, very quickly. Be bold. Be bold. Acts 4.13 says this. This is when Peter and John, just not long after Jesus had left them, went to the temple. It says this. Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that these were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled, and then they realized that they had been with Jesus. What separated these people from the rest of the crowd? They had been with Jesus. What separates us from the rest of society? I hope we can say we have been with Jesus. Boldness came from spending time with Jesus. No one can spend time with Jesus and come away without the deep, unshakable knowledge that they are loved because God is love. When you know, when you really know that you are loved, then you can boldly do anything. No matter what happens next, you are loved. Boldness comes when fear is defeated. And fear is defeated by love. 1 John 4:18 There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear. No fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. We can be bold. There is no fear. There's no need to fear God is with us. Lastly, number 4. Be transformed Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that, you're, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be, this is, this is the bit, this is the bit, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good unacceptable and, and perfect will of God. Be transformed. I like this because we don't rely on circumstances. We, we don't change from the outside in, but from the inside out. We become a new creation. The work of the transformation is done by the Holy Spirit. The results are up to Him. It's stress-free but there's also something for us. The first verse says this, this is what I noticed, this this really excited me. The first verse says this, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I've often wondered, what does that mean? Now, it probably means a whole lot of things, which I'm not gonna have time to get into just now, but what excited me was this, it reminded me of the quote right at the beginning from Dorothy Sayers, it says, work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but a thing one lives to do. It is, or it should be, the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction, and the medium in which he offers himself to God. That's a living sacrifice. It's you, it's who you are, it's also what you do. The whole picture, offered to God, is a living sacrifice. In other words, our call to create, submitted to him, is the living sacrifice that he desires from us. And as we give ourselves to Him, we know that we're in His hands. Where else do we really need to be? So, the four B's of successful failure, the four sermon points. But I can't leave it there. If I do, then really, I have failed. Any serious preacher preaches for life change, I want to see change in my life. I want to see change in your life. But the real issue is not what we do tomorrow. It's what Jesus has already done. That's the exciting part. In 2 Corinthians one eight it says this. Brothers and sisters, I mean, Paul did know a bit about hardship and difficulty. Brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced while we were in Western Turkey. All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever felt crushed beyond your ability to endure? Some mornings, it's just not happening. And you know you have to hang in there, but you're not quite sure how you're going to do it. We passed through what crushed us beyond our ability to endure. And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. Now, this is Paul, who I dare say has probably experienced more hardship than I have. Yeah? And he's about to give up, so I am not judging anybody. It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts, and we still feel it to this day. That's interesting. So this just occurs to me. That's interesting. He still feels it to this day. That means he carries it around with him, and yet he still continues on. How do you have the strength to still continue on when you're feeling that low? I can only think it's out of the relationship that he has with Jesus, who sustains him minute by minute if necessary, but hour by hour, day by day, through each and every situation and circumstance. It felt like we had a death sentence written. And that's heavy. It felt like we have a death sentence written upon our hearts. And we feel it to this day. You see, here's the hope. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. Wow that's the God. That's the God who we're placing our trust in. We're not, it's it's not some little guy in a box. He's not a little figurine. We are talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is so big that it would blow our minds if we thought about it for more than a millisecond, and yet he is interested in the tiniest details of our lives, and we can trust our lives into his hands. Can we get my next clip up? Can we cue this? Can we press pause before we play it? If you can cue it up, that'd be great. The YouTube one, please. This clip, unbelievable. this is the one that I was talking about earlier. This song, which the worship team sang, and I'm not trying to show you how it's done, because they sang it well, and I enjoyed singing it. But this shows me that God takes care of all the details. Because I wondered, is what I'm saying, is it relevant at all? Are people going to connect? Is this going to make any difference? Is this message going to get out there? Does it mean anything, God? I mean, I woke up with this yesterday, but was it just for me or is it for everybody? And I turn up here, and the one song that I'm basing the whole thing on, God has already spoken to the worship team about, small details, huge impact upon my faith, though, yeah? Can we play the clip, please? And listen, no, 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 actually, don't. Can we pause it? Can we stand and sing, and worship, and enjoy, and pay attention to the lyrics. This is the God that we love. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we put our trust in. Okay, big build up. Roll VT. Don't worry if you can't see the words, just just enjoy and listen. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? There's so much. There's so much in that that just. But did you catch it? And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Well, you lost your life. He gave up his life so I could find mine here. And if you left the grave behind you so will I. See, when we listen to the voice of our Savior, our Creator, our Father, our failures, our sins melt away. When we put our trust in Him, a hundred billion failures disappear. Jesus voluntarily gave up His life so that we could have new life in Him, transformed life, a new beginning. But better than that, a new relationship, a deeper love, a love that drives out all fear. No need to hide, no need to cover it up. Restored position with our Father in heaven, His righteousness. God now looks at us and instead of seeing our failure, chooses to see only Jesus. I'm gonna finish in a couple of minutes. But if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus yet, but you'd like to leave the grave and the failure behind you and follow him. I'm gonna say a prayer just now. And you can pray it with me. Follow along. Pray it in your heart. I'll just say it. You don't need to repeat it after me. I'm just gonna say a prayer. Follow me in your heart, because this is your time. Okay, let us bow our heads. Father God, thank you that you love me even though I've not always loved you. I know that I've lived my life my way and I've left you out. I know that this has stopped me having a friendship with you. Please forgive me for going my own way and doing the things I've done wrong. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross and came back to life so that I could be forgiven. He took my place. I commit my life to you because I want to live my life your way. I choose this day to follow you and your plan for my life. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and ask you to send your Holy Spirit to help me. This I pray with all of my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, with every eye closed, now of respect for each other and for this special moment, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time this morning and have asked to come home to God, your Father, or have prayed it after some time away but want to make a fresh start, with every eye closed, please raise your hand to acknowledge to yourself and before God the decision that you've just made. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For those people that have prayed that prayer, don't leave without speaking to someone, either me or someone that you've come with. We also have a gold pack at the back, or a silver pack if you're a youth. But God bless you, and thanks for listening. If the band would like to come up, that'd be great.
0: Amazing, Stu. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Praise the Lord.